0: Welcome everyone to Couch Potato Diary as we get ready for UFC 290. My name is Peter Klein. Thank you all so much for downloading and for listening today. You can find me on social media, Twitter, Instagram, and Thread. I am at PrimetimeKlein, twitch.tv slash primetimepk, and you can email the show Diary at yahoo.com. Coming up this weekend, Alexander Volkanovsky looks to add another chapter to what is a fantastic legacy. But is it the greatest legacy in the history of the UFC's featherweight division? Nope. That still belongs to Jose Aldo as the king of 145 pounds, the initial king of 145 pounds in the UFC, Um, still has, I say, that claim to this day. So today, we are focusing on that. It is a legacy look at Jose Aldo. Hi, I'm Kim Carson. And I'm Peter Klein, and this is We Had No Idea. A podcast about world events that you know about. But might have fallen asleep for during history class or social studies, however you learn history in high school. Each week we'll do a deep dive into important topics throughout history. So whether you already know everything or feel like you need a to top up on some history, we'll be here for you. Listen to us each week wherever you get your podcasts. Woo! José Aldo was born on September 9th, 1986. He is a Brazilian mixed martial artist widely regarded as one of the best fighters in the history of the sport and specifically of the featherweight division. He is known for his explosive striking, technical precision, and exceptional takedown defense. Let's take a look at the career and legacy with some key fights that helped solidify his reputation as, again, one of the greatest at 145 pounds. Aldo began his mixed martial arts career in 2004, competing in regional promotions in Brazil, quickly making a name for himself with his aggressive style and a series of impressive victories to kind of run through it. His first loss comes in 2005 in Jungle Fight 5 at the Lightweight. Um, Before that, He won in 18 seconds in his debut, then he won uh, after the first round in a... uh, due to a doctor stoppage. He won in a minute 54, in 20 seconds, in 8.33, which is not something you see after the first round, but that's what it was. Um, And then another first round win, and then he won in a minute 5 in Reading, England, uh, for FX3, Battle of Britain. Um, So, leading into his first loss... It was nothing but first-round victories. So this was clearly someone who had an explosive striking ability. Um, One of them was a a submission victory. The rest of them, one of them was technically submission, but it was submission to soccer kicks, which sounds just incredibly violent, but that this was someone who was using that incredible violence to make a name for himself. And then he finally gets to what at the time is the premier... Promotion for fighters under 155 pounds. This was before the Ultimate Fighting Championship had any weight classes under 155. So Aldo goes to the Zufa owned WEC. He joins the WEC in 2008 and he makes his debut in the promotion's real home of Sacramento, California, beating Alexandra Franca Noguera at 322 of the second round. And from there, he would pick up uh, a number of wins. He had his breakthrough moment in the promotion uh, in their... Uh, in, in a featherweight championship bout, uh, as he took on Mike Brown on November tw- uh, what was it, November eighteenth, sorry, two thousand nine, he gets this fight with a incredible flying knee knockout in eight seconds, beating Cub Swanson in a featherweight title eliminator. Leading up to this, he had beat uh, Jonathan Brookens, he beat Rolando Perez, and he beat Chris Mickle. Um, the last two were in the first round. the The Swanson win was when he first really came onto my radar. Um, because Cub Swanson is a tough motherfucker, man, and he just slept that dude with a a phenomenal flying knee that was uh, a highlight for WECs to come. Which I mean, there wasn't many of them. That was WC forty one, and by WC fifty three, I believe they were done. Um, so this was this was someone who was clearly special. Cub Swanson does not go down that way to. That type of uh, to that type of a, a fighter if they aren't something special. So then he goes into a big fight with Mike Brown, who was coming off of a, a win over Uriah Faber at the time, and at WC, uh, WEC 44, it was an incredible performance from Jose Aldo, showcasing his elite striking skills, dominating Brown, and securing a second round TKO victory to become the WEC featherweight champion. Throughout his career, Aldo displayed remarkable knockout power, precision striking, and just exceptional striking skills. He was known for lightning fast leg kicks, devastating combinations, and fluid movement inside of the cage. His striking accuracy and technique made him a formidable opponent for anyone in his weight class. And then, it was the the first rivalry that really defined his career. And that was about with Uriah Faber, and this one was on pay per view, Um, it was a very strange one, if you remember, if you were following MMA back in 2010, it was the WEC's first and only pay per view. Um, they had UFC backing, but because um, it was, I believe the UFC was on Fox at this point. Now, this might have still been that this might, this, this was still Spike. Either way, um, it wasn't versus, which is where the WEC was, all their bouts were on versus, um, and <laughs> they're owned by different companies, so they did like a prelim thing to, to lead into it, but they couldn't say WEC. So it was just, the joke at the time was, oh, it's Faber versus Aldo FC. Um, and it, it was announced as the featherweight championship of the world, not the WEC featherweight championship of the world. Like it did nothing to build the brand of the WEC at all. But at the time, like it was on its way out. Like I said, there's five more after this, but this was mo- massive. Faber was undoubtedly the biggest star of the the WEC's run um and really the face uh, of the WEC when you go back and look at Uriah Faber's run I think we kind of remember a, a lot of the stuff with uh with him in the uh, in the UFC but this was someone who won the WEC Featherweight Championship at WEC 19. He doesn't lose it until WEC 36. It is a run of a couple of years. And in that time, he's beating Jens Pulver, Jeff Curran, Dominic Cruz, setting up that rivalry um, to to kind of explode a, a little bit later on. Also wins outside of the WEC over Bibiano Fernandez, who is one of the more underrated figures uh, of this time, of mixed martial arts. So Uriah Faber is that guy. And Jose Aldo, this was the night that leg kicks really became a big thing in mixed martial arts because Aldo tore that leg up with phenomenal leg kick after leg kick after leg kick, just absolutely debilitating Uriah Faber. And to the point, like... I think it changed the perception, quite frankly, of how leg kicks can be used and how effective leg kicks can be in the Ultimate Fighting Championship, uh and in mixed martial arts in general. Like that there was the the thought at the time, I forget which um which judge at the time said this, but One fighter had a a pretty significant advantage with leg strikes, um, and then ended up losing. And there was, well, like, what? Like, why? Like, I I was clearly doing something. And the judge said, well, leg kicks don't win fights. And Jose uh, Jose Aldo... very much begged to differ as he just chewed that leg up and it, it helped set him up for a unanimous decision victory. Aldo's last fight in the WEC would be a knockout win over Manny Gamburian on September 30th, 2010 in Broomfield, Colorado, winning the or retaining the WEC Featherweight Championship, which would later be promoted to the UFC Featherweight title. Um, And that gets to where Aldo really starts to, to shine on a national stage. As it goes from the WEC, it's on Versus, 100,000 people maybe watching it now you're going to the, uh, the, the the worldwide leader of mixed martial arts which is not what they were called at all but you're, you're going to the ultimate proving ground the ultimate fighting championship and he gets a gigantic stage for his UFC debut this was UFC 129 which was at the Rogers Center which is where the Blue Jays play um, as he took on Mark Holmanich in that fight he looked like Hominik was birthing an alien out of his brain with the the size of the hematoma that was on the, on his head, eventually getting a unanimous decision victory over Mark Holmenich. Um, Aldo was just phenomenal in that bout. And then we get into one of the uh, another one of the rivalries for Jose Aldo, that would kind of define things a little bit for him, as he would go up against Uriah Faber-trained Chad Mendes at UFC 142 in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, uh, back in January of 2012, and this was one of the more memorable bouts and one of the more memorable moments for, for Aldo at this time, um, as he would go up against Chad Mendes, UFC uh, 142 uh, in 2012, this was an intriguing fight because, like, yeah, Faber and Brown couldn't take him down. But aside from that, like, hominic wasn't really trying to take him down. Kenny Florian wasn't either. Um, but Chad Mendez was, hey, this guy's different. This guy's a different level of wrestler. Can he take him down? Well, he was trying until he wasn't. As uh, Mendez going for a takedown gets absolutely walloped with a knee. And Aldo gets the win at 4.59 in the first round, and then jumps over the octagon into the crowd that is going bananas in Rio de Janeiro. And it just, this guy, and this moment, made him feel like the biggest goddamn superstar you've ever seen in your entire like life. Like if this was your first fight that you watched, you would assume this guy was the Muhammad Ali of mixed martial arts with how that crowd was reacting to him at that time. That was a, a real moment, I think, for him, Um, and a a big finish of someone who was kind of thought to be the next one in Chad Mendez. After that, it's a win over the legendary Frankie Edgar at UFC 156 in Las Vegas, they go back to Rio de Janeiro for a knockout win over Chan Sung Jung, the Korean Zombie had kind of worked his way up to that title fight, and eventually Aldo was able to put him away. Ricardo Lamas um, is beat by unanimous decision, and then you get Chad Mendez at UFC 179. And that again, like, this is one of the, the biggest rivalries that he ends up winning is um, the, the two fights over Chad Mendez culminating at UFC 179. So at this point, the unbeaten streak has lasted from 2006 all the way up to 2014. And then you get into the Conor McGregor thing. Where McGregor did a phenomenal job getting in Aldo's head, And eventually, the fight happens, Las Vegas, Nevada, UFC 194, in 13 seconds, Conor McGregor gets the knockout win, dethroning Jose Aldo for the UFC featherweight championship. The only belt holder that that belt had ever known gets knocked out by Conor McGregor at 13 seconds of the very first round. So you think about it, he wins this championship, um... In November of 2009 essentially in the WEC and holds it for five years in in mixed martial arts man that's saying something but it's it's almost poetic that his big burst for a number of fans was an 8 second win over Cub Swanson and then that run ends with a 13 second loss to Conor McGregor at UFC 194 uh, Aldo Wood bounce back, UFC 200, he gets a fight against Frankie Edgar, and he gets a unanimous decision win to win the uh, interim featherweight championship, that later gets promoted to the undisputed featherweight championship, but then he loses back-to-back fights to Max Holloway, and this is where things take a turn. Um, like, the, the mystique is gone. At this point, That that's 2017, um, he's born in 1986, uh, so we're at 31 years old, I believe, at this point. Um, Yeah, 31, 32 years old at this point. And it's someone who he has been fighting since 2004. So this is not your regular 31-year-old. And everyone knows about the horror stories of training in Brazil and how hard some of those training camps can be where you're actually just getting that shit kicked out of you um, in training on a night-in-night-out basis. And he was able to overcome that, I guess. And But the, the end of the career, it, it does not and gracefully for, for Jose Aldo. Back-to-back losses against Max Holloway. Then he fights here in Calgary, and this was so cool to be able to watch him fight in Calgary against Jeremy Stevens. He landed a body kick that sounded like a baseball bat. Um, I was in media row for that one. It was such a cool experience to see that, but he was able to put Jeremy Stevens away with the body shot knockout. Then a win over Hanato Moikano, but then he gets dominated by Alexander Volkanovski, lost to Marlon Moraes and uh, to Piotr Jan. The yawn fight was for the vacant bantamweight championship. After the loss to Maris in his bantamweight debut, he would win two more or three more in a row. After that, Marlon Vera, Pedro Munoz, and Rob Font, but then a disappointing loss to Mirab Valashvili. So it, it doesn't end great, right? Like at one point he's 25 and one. It, he ends at 31 and eight. So it's it's six and seven in your last 13, which is a lot of getting hit in the head, but. I cannot, and hopefully I did a pretty good job of it, I cannot express to you how dominant that run felt. It started in the WEC back at WEC 34 and went all the way up to UFC 194 against Conor McGregor. It just felt different. It felt like no one had a hope against this guy. He was a sniper. Every strike that he threw had the potential to alter your life significantly in one way, shape, or form. Like, no one... You you kind of you could talk yourself into a couple of them like Chad Mendes hey this guy's a wrestler like I mean sure uh, Uriah Faber and Mike Brown those guys could wrestle but but no one's wrestling is the same as Chad Mendes. oh he's just gonna need brains through the back of his head okay great um, Frankie Edgar man this guy's finally moving down to the weight he's supposed to be at at 145 pounds this guy, oh unanimous decision loss Chan Sung Jung the guy is a zombie no one can stop him ah uh, stopped him in the fourth round like. You could kind of talk yourself into a couple of them, but it was basically only to sell yourself on this fight when really all along we should have been selling ourselves on the greatness of Jose Aldo. He is... He will go down, I think, as the greatest featherweight of all time. Um, He will go down as one of the more feared strikers in the history of this sport, and I think one of the true pioneers for 145 pounds. He is what other divisions and what some of the other lighter divisions I think needed at this point because there was this mystique around him as this just absolute killer at 145 pounds. When the resume is all said and done, uh, he is going into the UFC Hall of Fame this weekend, a two-time UFC featherweight champion at seven successful title defenses. Uh, he has the most successful title defenses in UFC featherweight history, also the most consecutive title defenses in UFC featherweight history, uh, with two also successful defenses of the WEC featherweight championship he won the sure dog fighter of the year award back in 2009 he won the world mma awards fighter of the year the charles mask lewis fighter of the year back in 2010 and his fight with chad mendez was widely regarded as the fight of the year for 2014 to just run through the resume of jose aldo barely scratches the surface like i said that this is someone who had a mystique and uh, an aura around him It was just, it just felt different. So as we go into UFC 290 this weekend with Alexander Volkanovski going up against, uh, going up, really it feels like going up against Jose Aldo's legacy, but going up against Yara Rodriguez. I believe Volkanovski is right now the most well-rounded fighter in the sport and could go down one day as the GOAT at 145 pounds, but he is just not at Jose Aldo's level at least not yet. So that is your legacy look for Jose Aldo as uh, he goes into his rightful spot in the UFC Hall of Fame. Thank you all so much for downloading, thank you all so much for listening more UFC 290 coverage available on the podcast as there is a uh, going to be a fight breakdown of uh, some of the key bouts for this pay-per-view coming up As always, rate, review, subscribe wherever you can. You can find me on social media, Twitter, Instagram, and threads. I am at PrimetimeKline, twitch.tv slash PrimetimePK, and you can email the show. um, I think I might have said that wrong. Twitch.tv slash PrimetimePK. You can email the show, Couchpotato Diary, at yahoo.com. Thank you all so much for listening, and I will talk to you all later.